Glory to God. Hallelujah. How was that day? Awesome, I believe. Awesome. <laughs> Glory to God. So we started a discourse last night on the cardinal requirements for impact. The biblical cardinal requirements. Cardinal simply means the most important. There are so many things that if you do can um, help you experience a life of impact. But when you follow the biblical templates, the Bible says whatsoever the Lord does, it will abide forever. And that's why our text and our most important book will forever remain the Bible. Because the Bible says the word of God is forever settled. Right? The Bible says that heaven and earth may pass away, but not one title, one jot of God's word will not pass without being fulfilled. And so we're going to start out tonight from Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. I quoted it a couple of times yesterday, but I want us to see it for ourselves. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. And one of the things you can do in a meeting like this is to ensure you are taking notes. Not just what is being said, but what the Spirit of God will inspire in you, right, even as you listen. Because one of the things I believe is going to happen that's going to characterize this meeting, right, is that people are going to receive instructions, specific instructions. I thought somebody was going to say amen. amen. They're going to receive specific instructions. Someone is going to receive clarity. You will just know what to do concerning that thing that has been a concern in the name of Jesus. And one thing I've come to realize about God is that when he speaks to one, you are not the only one he's speaking to. So it's the one that takes advantage of what is saying, right, that he eventually uses. That's why you see that in the life of Elijah. God said to him, you know, God wanted to give him a greater tax after he had won the nation back to God, right, from Baal, you know, the worship of Baal. And Elijah said, no, that tax is too much for me. He said, I'm the only one, you see, I'm the only one that has not bowed my knee. And God said, you are mistaken. You are mistaken. I have 7,000 other people that have not bowed their knees. You see, so every time God is giving an instruction, you are not the only one is giving that instruction to. Every time he's giving an idea, you are not the only one is giving that idea to. But it's the person that responds, that says, be it unto me according to your word, right? That eventually manifests that which God has said. You see, when the angel appeared to Mary, if when the angel had said, you see, you are going to be the carrier of the Mazar, if Mary had said, I don't want to have anything to do with this, the angel would have moved somewhere else. God would have looked for another virgin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No single human being can hold God to ransom. No single human being. There are seven billion other options. And so when God speaks to you, ensure you capture it. And one of the ways you do that is by documenting it. That's why when it took um, John, right, the beloved, right, on uh, 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 on the pilgrimage, as it were, in the book of Revelations, one of the very first things that God said to him, right, that Jesus said to him when he appeared to him, he said, the things you see, right. Before he started speaking to him, he said, the things that you see, right. Don't remember, right. He didn't say the things you see, remember. That's why when Moses went into the presence of God, right, and he spent 40 days, 40 nights, receiving instructions from God. You see, when God gave him the commandment, God didn't give him in a form in which he could remember. God gave him in a format in which he could see. 
They wrote it in a, you see, in a tablet such that when Moses got angry and he broke the tablet, he had to go back to get it in a written form. God didn't say, ah, at least you have seen the tablet. By now you should remember what the Ten Commandments are. No, God didn't say that. He ensured he got it back in a written form. Because that's what he said. One of the ways you bring pleasure to God is by documenting whatever he tells you. That's one of the ways you bring pleasure to him. You see, because you value what he's saying to you so much so that you think it, uh, it requires documentation. So I'd encourage you all throughout this meeting as God inspires thoughts in your heart. Some of those thoughts might not even make sense in the immediate, but document it. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, the Bible says, For whom he did for know, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God did for no us, and he predestinated us. Why? So that we might be conformed to the image of his son. I think I mentioned this yesterday. That salvation, the only thing salvation offers is not a visa to heaven. If the only reason why you were saved was to go to heaven, you would have dropped dead the moment you said the salvation prayers. The moment you received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you should have just dropped dead immediately. You see, one of the reasons why God still left you here is so that you will learn right how to be like Jesus, how to be like Christ. You see, there are many things you and I need to learn on the earth before we eventually arrive in heaven. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> a classic example is Lazarus. The Bible tells us about a man by the name of Lazarus who loved God. You see, but the Bible says that the only thing he desired was to eat from the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And for many years, a lot of people have taught the doctrine that God does not want you to prosper. Because if you prosper, you can go to hell. Because when the rich man died, the Bible says that he went to hell. And when Lazarus died, he went to heaven. <laughs> but you see what the Bible says. You don't have time to go into that scripture now. But you see, the reason why um, Lazarus was poor on the earth was the Bible says that he desired to eat from the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. That was his desire. And that was what he got. But you see what happened after they died. The Bible says Lazarus died and the rich man also died. Now, the most important thing you need to pay attention to in that story is what happened after their death. The Bible says the rich man went to hell and Lazarus did not just go to heaven. The Bible says when he got to heaven, it was sent to Abraham's bosom. It was sent to the bosom of a rich man. He was not given his own mansion. Somebody didn't get that. <laughs> the Bible says when the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell and he saw Lazarus. You know what he said? He said to Abraham, he said, tell Lazarus to go back to the earth. So even in hell, the rich man believed he could still send Lazarus on errand even though he was in heaven. Didn't get that. So Lazarus got to heaven. When he arrived there, he had to learn in heaven what he didn't learn on the earth. It's the same Bible. Not teaching you heresy. So there are things you need to learn on this earth. You've seen people who criticize say, No, God does not want you to wear jewelry. Those who wear jewelry, they are going to hell. <laughs> what you call gold is what they call road in heaven. So a lot of people are going to have adjustment shock. And you see, the gold that we so much cherish on the earth is even inferior to that of heaven. Because in the book of Revelations, when they describe the gold, they said it is as clear as crystal. But yet, that's what they used to pave the roads in heaven. 
A lot of people might have you know adjustment shocks when they get to heaven because the things they have thrown back before they see that people are working on it. <laughs> Praise God. So God wants you to learn so many things before you arrive in heaven. There's a reason why He still left you here. Jesus lived for three and a half years, but it was three and a half years of impact, three and a half years of difference, three and a half years that changed human history. Just like I told us yesterday, so much so that history revolves around this coming. That's why you have the BC, that's why you have the AD. Because his presence, his coming, made so much impact. Such that even after his resurrection, mankind still refers to him. Whether you believe in him or you don't believe in him, you'll shout, know somebody came to the earth by the name of Jesus. That's what impact does. People might not agree with your philosophy. They might not like you. But they have no choice but to submit to what you are supplying. For instance, a lot of people use Apple. Apple products. But they don't believe in this philosophy of Tim Cook. He does not believe what you believe. But you use what he provides. I hear what I'm saying. You see, don't, you see, all this idea of people saying things like, you know, it's because I'm a Christian. That's why I'm not rising in a particular field. It's a lie. You are not making enough impact. That's why you are not rising. The Bible tells us about Daniel. Daniel was in a godless environment. A godless environment. So much so that the king raised an image in himself. Right? Of himself. And said everybody should bow. It was a godless environment. I said that everybody should pray. Even to the king, Darius. For a number, a period of time. And Daniel said, I'm not going to do that. Nobody has told you to bow to them. Or pray to them in your office. And yet in that same environment, Daniel tried. He didn't just struggle. The Bible says a rose so much. So you see, you need to understand how Daniel started out. Daniel was a captive. He was a nobody. Yet he rose in the governance to the extent the next person. See, history tells us, theologians tells us that Daniel was relevant in the governance of his day for seventy years. And you see, it was not a democratic government that you elect and select. It was an empire that when one empire comes and takes over from the current empire, they kill everybody that is currently you know, in, that, in that administration so that you might not rise up against them. But one person that was left alive for 70 years was Daniel. There was even a time they forgot him and the king ran into a problem. I think it was the king of Passion there, but I can't remember. You know, and that particular day he was in his palace. You know, he was he was uh, drinking, you know, with the corpse of the temple. And the Bible says as he was doing that, they saw a hand writing on the wall, and the king was troubled. And the queen mother said, You see, the only way you can solve this problem is to look for somebody by the name of Daniel. He's in your kingdom, look for him. He's the only one that can solve this problem. And those were guys that operated under the old covenant. Never forget that. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. You see, the relevance of the Holy Spirit on our inside in this dispensation is more than speaking in tongues. When, men, when you ask the average person, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is someone that makes me speak in tongues. That's all. You see, the Holy Spirit, some people even, when, when they have the premonition, maybe not to do something and they eventually do it, they now say, you know, something told me. It tells you how much they don't even understand the person of the Holy Spirit. That it is not an it, it's a person. It's the third person of the Trinity. And we are in the dispensation of the Spirit. 
And so if the Bible makes us to understand that the reason why we are now still here is so that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus, then we need to ask ourselves, how did Jesus live? What did Jesus do? How did he live his life? That's why one of the epistles, the Bible says that we need to walk even as he walked. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody get what I'm saying tonight? So we need to understand that we have been called to live a life of impact. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. He lived the life that you and I, we are still yet to recover from. And we said yesterday that a life of impact is a life of meaning. It's a life of recognition. It's a life that inspires. You see, the Bible says you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You can't hide light. If light is truly in a place, a life of impact is a life of recognition. Some people say that I don't like to be visible. I hope I'll be able to get there, you know, between today and tomorrow. You see, let me tell you this. If you are going to live a life of impact, you must be visible. That's why Jesus said nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. He says, but they put it on top where it can light the whole house. You are the light. Look at your neighbor and say, you are light. Stop hiding. Look at somebody else. The person you just spoke to didn't get what he said. Say, you are light. Stop hiding. Oh, say, I know I'm, I'm shy. You know, I don't like people to demonic oppression. Let me tell you that. I used to be like that. Let me tell you, there is a dimension of God that will never be manifested in your life if you have that ideology. Don't want people to, you know, I don't want people to <laughs> even tell you don't blow your own trumpet. So others will leave their trumpet and be blowing your own. You see, uh, is it First Samuel chapter seventeen? The Bible says when David got to the battlefield, they didn't discover David. David was the one that said, "I can kill Goliath." He walked up to them. His brother said, "What's wrong with you? Are you crazy?" The Bible says he turned away from his brothers and spoke to somebody else. And the king heard that there is one rascal on the battlefield that says he can destroy this guy. What a whole nation, you know, the whole military strength of the nation could not confront. There is a young boy that saying he can solve this national problem. And they sent for him. Because a normal person should not be talking like that. A normal person in their right frame of mind should be thinking of how to deliver the food they told him to deliver and run back home. So for him to be talking like that, there must be something that he knows. And Saul said, what are you talking about? He said, I killed the lion. Really? I killed a bear. Are you serious? And Saul must have said to himself, me, I've never killed a lion. I've never killed a bear. <laughs> Let's put this guy to a test. See all this idea of, I don't want people to say, I just like to be in my own little corner. This little light of mine. I think I said that yesterday. Your light is not little. It's not little. You are the light of the what? The light of where? Of Ogba. Of Lagos. Of Nigeria. It simply means your life should make an impact. Not just on your vicinity. But on the global stage. On the global stage. And if Jesus did that. If Joseph did that. You see, you can do that. You can the Bible makes us to understand that the impact of Joseph when he was alive, the impact was felt globally. Because when famine arose, the famine was global in dimension. The Bible says the whole world came to Egypt. Not because it was Egypt, but it was because there was somebody in Egypt that made Egypt not to go through famine. The whole world came to die from Egypt. Why? Because there was a Joseph that was in the land. Because you are in that industry, there should be a difference. It might be a godless industry. 
It might be a godless sector. But because you are there, you see, as a believer, you must understand this. You have not been called into anywhere you are to survive. A survival and hustling mindset will never produce a life of significance. But let me tell you this, you cannot go after significance and impact and lack what to eat. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 31 to 32. He says, don't think of what to eat, what to drink, what to put on. He said, these are the things the Gentiles think about. You see, unfortunately, when you listen to the prayer points of the average believer today, it's exactly what Jesus was addressing in Matthew chapter 6. He said, don't think of what, he said, don't be obsessed. He said, your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? It simply means find out God's way of operation. Find out the way God does things. He says, and everything that others are running after is going to be harder to you. It's not by doing so many things. A lot of people think it's by doing, you know, if I, if I, if I, if I do like three, four, five businesses together, then I will break through. No, it doesn't happen that way. Your breakthrough is in your precision. Your breakthrough is in his direction. Your breakthrough is in seeking for his kingdom. That is finding out the way God operates. How does he do things? I'll explain that more tomorrow. So we said what you must know about impact. Number one, understand that everyone can make impact. We said that yesterday. Everyone can. The Bible says there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is rich over all that call upon him. Number two, impact gives you a voice and access right to corridors of power. Number three, we said impact is a kingdom demand. Impact is a kingdom demand. In case you don't know child of God, there is a demand on your life. God did not invest so much in you. He didn't send the son to the earth to die so that you can just buy a big car or have a land in Banana Island. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? don't like it but that's the truth you see let me tell you this when you live a life of impact all those things will come all those things you see see you need to understand something every time you see an ideology being peddled globally check it most time the flip side is the the flip side is the way god operates check it I'll never forget the statement made by, you know, the first, I don't know if that construction is correct, democratic, recent, our current democracy, President Richard Gombasu Joe. I read in the newspaper many years ago when he was still president. <laughs> he said, if I see the crowd running in a direction, he said, I will go in the other direction. He said, even if I don't know why they are running, he said, because most time the crowd is usually wrong. I'll never forget that. Wise man was the one that also said, if a man fools me once, <laughs> he said shame on me he said if he fools me twice he said shame on me he said if he fools me the third time I must be a compound fool <laughs> that man Nigeria needs to listen to you more <laughs> so it's a kingdom demand impact is a kingdom demand there is a demand on your life in case you don't know there is a demand you know many of us know the demands of our parents there are some of us respectfully speaking that they sent you to school with cooperative money and you know, they don't need to tell you it's an unspoken expectation. You know that coming out of school, the next thing uh, is not for you to go and be looking for one guy or one girl under the mango tree. <laughs> you know the next thing is to start making money and pay back your parents in cash or in kind. Some people, it was community that sent you to school. Some people, it's community that sent them overseas. 
So the way they behave is different. I'm telling you what I'm you see, what I'm telling you is that it's not community now that has invested in you. God has invested so much in you. I'll never forget 2006 January. I can't remember the specific day. I was in my pastor's office. That was the day our relationship mentorship became formal. And I told him, I said, sir, I want you to mentor me. And I'll never forget one statement he made that day before I left his office. He said, Aki, how can God say he does not have anybody when he has you? I'll never forget. That statement never left me. It kept haunting me. And it keeps haunting me. Sometimes when I want to behave like everybody, I remind myself, how can God say he has nobody? See, that's why I'm crazy the way I do things. Anything that has to do with God, I don't care if you do it. It's not a matter of let us do it together. Is I'm doing a catch up if you can. Don't wait for anybody, especially when it has to do something that has to do with God. How can God say he has no one when he has you? And I'm saying the same thing to you tonight. How can God say he has nobody in a sector? How can this be getting dilapidated in your industry? And you are there. Heaven has invested so much in you. That's why he said you are the salt of the earth. When there is no salt in the food, you can taste it. You know, ah, something is missing here. The reason why it is so obvious things are missing in specific industries and field is because we have not started playing your role. Let me tell you this. As a believer principally when you walk your enemy is not for you to eat it's for you to make impact the bible says let him that steal let him steal no more he says rather let him walk that which is good that he may have to give not that he may have to eat because your eating should be taken care of naturally eating is not what you eat for it's a bitter pill to swallow but that's why it's breakthrough festival <laughs> praise god hallelujah media if you can help us with that i think it's in corinthians i'm not sure just look for it he said, let him that. He said, let him see no more. He says, rather let him walk that which is good. That he may have to give. That is that he may have to make impact. That he may have to make a difference in the life of others. Not that he may have to have what to wear. No, you are not working to take care of yourself. Your work should be an extension of the investment of heaven in you. Somebody doesn't understand what I'm saying. Your work is not for survival. It's more than that. You see, I know what I'm saying is a tall order because it is against what the environment teaches. It is against the environment, tradi- and the tradition and the ideologies. But let me tell you this, if you adopt this as a lifestyle, you will begin to wonder how the things you have been running after begins to come to you. Impact brings glory to God. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And when they see your good works, when they see the difference you're making, the Bible says, then they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. It simply means people will not glorify God because we are saying, glory to God! Glory to God! <laughs> it's not by saying, say glory to God, glory to God. No, let them see your works. It says, let them see your good works. Then they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. You won't have to force them to glorify God. When they see what God is doing through you, then they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we said impact is field specific. Impact is a door opener. You see, when you see what happened with Joseph, Joseph didn't just appear in the palace by error or accidentally. What opened the door to Joseph was the impact he made in Potiphar's house. That impact, even though you know uh, uh, they robbed him in, they said he did something he didn't do. When he got into the prison, he was still making impact in the lives of people. He saw the baker and the butler. You see, and he asked them, why are you guys not excited this morning? Who is usually excited in prison? Nobody smiles in the prison. 
But Joseph said, why getting excited this morning? What's wrong? He made an impact in their life. And that impact became the door opener that led him to the presence of Pharaoh. Alright, that's the scripture, Ephesians 4.28. It says, let him that stole still no more. Rather let him labor, working with his hand, the thing which is good. That he may have to eat. That he may have to what? Give to him that needs. So impact is a door opener. I said impact is not gender defined. Impact is not limited by race. Impact is not age restricted. Number one cardinal requirement, you said, is determination. 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 And yesterday we read Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. Where God said, I've called heaven and earth as witnesses against you. That I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. It says, therefore choose life. That both you and your descendants may live. And yesterday I emphasized the fact that determination is deciding to do whatever it legally and ethically takes. For as long as it takes to see your vision come true. You see, living a life of impact is a non-transferable decision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not a decision someone can make for you. It's a decision. It's a decision that you must make. And see, when you make that decision, you will know. The day you make it, if you have truly made that decision, you will know. Because it is not something you make casually. It is something that nobody can make for you. Let me tell you this. It is your determination that makes the difference in life. It is the same lecturer that teaches the first class students and the student that is advised to withdraw. Same lecture, same lecturing hall, same environment, same school. Yet, one comes out as a first class. Another one comes out as being advised to withdraw with nothing. The difference is in determination. Nobody ends up as a first class citizen in life accidentally. It's by determination. It's by determination. Jesus, the son of God, had 12 disciples. 12. 12. The son of God spent time with three, with 12 people for three and a half years. Every day, every night. Yet, all of them didn't turn out well. We see the book of Peter, the book of John. Where's the book of Nathaniel? Where's the book of Philip? Where's the book of Bartholomew? They were all disciples of Jesus. But you see, <laughs> same anointing, same grace. When I had this understanding years ago, it took the pressure off me as a pastor. And everybody may be listening to you, but everybody will have different results. The problem is not with you. It's in their response to the word. You can lay body, lay leg, lay everything on some people. Boom! Gallows of anointing and nothing will happen. And for some people, like the centurion, just say, speak the word only. And you just see their life moving forward. The problem is not with the anointing. It's in the determination of the one receiving the word. Paul the apostle that never saw Jesus face to face when he was on the earth. He wrote most of the New Testament. Determination. The question I want to ask you tonight is what have you determined must happen in your life this year? Whatever you don't determine would happen will never happen. It will never happen. You can pray, you see. The missing link in our lives are the things I'm going to talk about at this breakthrough festival. We have prayed. But have you determined that is it that it happens or it happens? Is it that it happens or it happens? Until you get to that point in your life you will never make impact. You must make up your mind that in this industry, as a fashion person, as an entertainer, as a preacher, as a whatever you are, my coming to this
this world is going to make a difference. I'm not going to leave this world the way I came to this world. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And let me tell you this, it starts from where you are. The Bible says that if you are not faithful over another man's thing, it said nobody will give you what is your own. Some people are waiting for the big break in that office where you are. When they are still paying you 5,000, I don't know if anybody gets paid 5,000, I'm just using a figure. You see, it does, ah, how much money are they paying me? If you are not making impact in that office, that small office, you will never make impact if they put you over a multinational. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I was ah, you see, when, 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 when God lifts me, when I begin, when I get to that company, my dream job is a lie. Because we have already gotten used to not delivering results. When they put you there, because your capacity on the scale to 10 is 1, when they put you in charge of 10, you will reduce it to 1. Because that's who you have programmed yourself to be. Determination. That's the first requirement. Determination. Somebody say determination. determination. You see, I've come to understand something about God. If you say yes, God will not say no. When the children of men gathered and said, want to build the tower, whose top is going to reach to the heavens? God did not say, no, you can't do it. God himself said, this thing they have decided to do and it cannot be restrained from them. He said, the only thing is let's give them more, let's change their language so that they will not be able to understand each other. But about the determination, said cannot be restrained from them. Genesis chapter 11, I think verse 6. The question is, what, what decisions have you made this year? You see, and the real proof of determination is action. 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 You see, be weary of people who have vision, but they have no action to back it up. You know, years ago, the church used to preach when they talk about marriage, they say, marry a man with a vision. Marry a man with a vision. So he can put you on television. <laughs> Ladies, don't marry a man with vision. Marry a man with a vision that is working on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a difference. He might have the vision, but if the vision, since he knew, he knew him three years ago, he has still been talking about the vision. You have never seen him take any step in the direction of that vision. Let me tell you this. 30 years later, he will still be talking about that vision. I have the vision to start a business. Three years, he has not already started the business name. And he has a vision. Let me tell you, because some of these guys who they have been in church for long, they know all those things. So he said, ah, so where are you going? He knows, see, I'm going somewhere to boo. <laughs> he knows the words to put together. Check his action. It's all talk and no steps. The Bible says the steps of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Not the sitting of the steps. The reason why God has not been leading you is because you are not taking steps. It's your steps that God orders. The steps of a righteous man. The reason why people are never led is because they say they are waiting on God. While you are waiting on God, God is waiting on you to take the first step. That's why he says, you are here, we hear a voice behind this saying, this is the way to go. When you turn to the left and when you turn to the right, it simply means you are in motion. Then it begins to cause correct. It tells you, no, you took the wrong step there, do this, do that. Not when you sit and say, God, reveal to me your plan. You may never get it. Determination. Somebody said Determination. I can't hear you say determination. determination. Until you step out, you will never stand out. It is better to be taking steps, small steps. Over time, it will accumulate and compound in a massive break. Somebody said that I believe it. He said we must never be afraid of moving slowly. We should only be afraid of standing still. If you cannot fly, 
think it was Martin Luther King Jr. that said that. I'm not sure. But I think it was the one that said it. He said, if you cannot fly, he said, then run. If you cannot run, walk. He said, if you can't walk, then crawl. He said, by all means, just keep moving. Because even as slow as the snail was, he made it to the ark. Noah had to wait for the snail to arrive before the door of the ark was closed. The snail was not as fast as the cheetah, but eventually made it to the ark. What if the snail had said, I'm too slow, let me just wait, I can't make it. It will never have made it. Number two, requirements to make an impact is kingdom prioritization. Kingdom prioritization. Somebody say kingdom prioritization. Already delved into that Matthew 6 and verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me tell you, one of the questions you need to ask yourself this year, all through this year, is you need to keep asking yourself, how would God do this? How would Jesus do this? In this situation, what would Jesus do? You see, many of us think that the only areas of our life where uh, God is interested in is our spiritual life. You know, when you fast, when you pray, when you study the world, then, then God is interested. No, in the simple things, He wants to be involved in every area of your life. At a young age, the Bible tells us about a man by the name of Uzziah. The Bible says, Uzziah served the Lord with all his earth. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says, and God made him to prosper. And God gave him the wisdom to invent engines. Centuries ago, engine. So it was not in the industrial age that engine was first invented. A man by the name of Uzziah invented engines first in the scriptures. Because the Bible says his ways please the Lord. Look at someone like Solomon. When Solomon was going, he had the option of building, or, or, or he was, you know, given the responsibility of building two things. He had the vision of building a palace and building the temple. But Solomon was wise. The first thing he built was the temple. The Bible says after the dedication of the temple, then Solomon built his own palace. Many years ago, I was having a conversation with my mentor, my pastor. And it was when he said it, he just dawned on me. He said, I can didn't you notice that we first built a church before I built my house. And he mentioned the name of certain people. Now, if I mention their names in this country, you know, people that they were already pastoring thousands of people. But when you hear they are still living in rented apartments, but like, are you kidding me? Those people, they know what they are doing. They are not stupid. Because when you seek for the kingdom of God, when you prioritize impact, let me tell you, there, I, there is nothing wrong in taking care of yourself. God gave you a brain so that you can give him rest. So there is nothing wrong in using your brain. But let me tell you this, I'm calling you to a higher life. When you prioritize impacts, when you prioritize what God prioritizes, what is kingdom prioritization? It is simply making the, uh, 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 what is most important to God what is most important to you. What are the things that are most important to God? Number one is the salvation of the soul of man. Let me tell you this. It is not the exclusive responsibility of preachers to win souls. It is the responsibility of every believer. You have been saved to save others. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 to 4. The Bible says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. He said, We want all men, not most, all men to be saved. 
all men to be saved. Everyone will not be saved because there are people around them that should reach out to them that did not reach out to him. That's why. If every believer on the earth today decides that they are going to win at least one soul every month or every two months, let me tell you this, in two years we will win the world to Christ. Because who I can reach, you might not reach them. Who you can reach, I might never be able to reach them. But if everybody understands that this is what God prioritizes the most on the earth, to see all men saved, and we all decide to take responsibility, if we see it as our responsibility, as, and not the responsibility of pastor, that it is pastor to, uh, responsibility to do altar call, let me tell you, there are people that will never come to church. So how do you reach out to them? There are people that need to be saved first before they can come to church. There are people that is when they come to church, they will get saved. But there are some people that when they see your life, when they see the impact your life is making, they will be the ones to come to you. What exactly? What's, what's that thing? What's, what's different about you? Then you have the opportunity to tell them about Christ. But at that point, some of us would we'll even be ashamed to talk about Christ. Say, you know, it's, 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 it's just, you know, I think God is just helping me. <laughs> God is just helping you. So what's most important to God, number one, is the salvation of souls. Number two is the establishment of souls in the knowledge of the truth of God's word. There is a reason why as a church we spend so much time teaching the word in a pragmatic way. Now some people have this ideology that it's only pastor that should understand God's word. That's not true. I think I mentioned it yesterday. The Bible says don't let your mind be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So God does not just want men to be saved. The Bible says that he wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The reason why a lot of believers are deceived is that even though they have been saved, they are not established in the knowledge of the truth. So somebody tells them, come Monday morning, pick a number. They will be delivering message to you because he has gone to the mountain to hear from God. The guy is tired. 1pm. He's telling you nonsense. There's something called the law of diminishing return. Sitting down in the same place, hearing different people's story, depressing stories, exciting stories, his emotion is going up and down. By 1 p.m., he's already telling you nonsense. You, you want to travel tomorrow, don't travel. If you travel, you will die. And you are held by fear. You know how many times I've had I should not travel? <laughs> when I hear those things, I just go back to the scripture. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Let me tell you this the written word, anything that does not validate the written word is nonsense. He said he will give his angels charge over you. Hmm. He tell you, okay, so maybe he say, you know, okay, maybe you can travel by road, but don't fly. <laughs> there are some destinies you will never fulfill if you don't fly. That's just the truth. So if I have to be in five cities in one week, how can I do that by road? I will break down. <laughs> Especially with Nigeria. <laughs> you just realize that battery is leaving you. It's not virtue, it's the road. <laughs> so God wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth. The reason why people are easily fleeced and deceived is because they have not been well taught the word of God. Have not been well taught. Someone is having a mental crisis. They say, I, it's, it's your, you see, it's your mother-in-law. The mother-in-law that was not a witch before you married that woman suddenly has not become a witch. 
different things, different deception all over the place. Why? Because people are not established in the knowledge of the truth. That's why you notice that Jesus spent more time teaching than even the time he spent healing. Did you notice? Because if you know the word, you don't need to look for anybody, any healing minister to lay hand on you. You can heal yourself. Do you know that healing is not meant for believers? Aha, somebody is surprised. Healing is not meant for you as a believer. Sound health is meant for you as a believer, not healing. Healing is God's advertisement to the world that there is a supernatural at work. Health seems in the wilderness. God did not heal any of the Jews because they did not need healing. They were healthy. And it takes knowledge. Knowledge of what to eat. Some of us don't know that God is that detailed. You see, the one of the reasons why the Jews... None of them was feeble and sick in the wilderness. Number one, they were exercising. They were moving. Some of us, you move from AC car, AC house, AC office, you say you are enjoying it. You are dying slowly. That's just the truth. First lady is looking at me because she says that. Is that me? How much am I that I will be exercising? <laughs> there are some of us you have that mindset. Ah, Melanie, me. <laughs> See, exercising is not for fat people. Don't get it wrong. It's for those who want to be fit. There are people who are big in size, who are fitter. Is there any English like that? There are people who are slim. That's just the truth. It's not about the size. It's about are you fit? I was just someone who maybe has a big because ah, this person is small. There are even some people that don't eat. Yet they have a big stature. Have a cousin like that. She doesn't eat. But you think ah, maybe she eats the whole world. And she's more fit than many of us. If when you were climbing the stairs, you were panting, you have to work on it. I'm serious. So that's one of the things for the Jews. He made sure they were Then number two, he controlled their diets. What they were eating. So the Bible says it satisfies your mouth with good things, not with sweet things. Good things. Good things. Good things. You see that in the book of Genesis, the Bible says the ab is for food. You should eat more vegetables than you are eating animals. Why do you think animals are going extinct? Human beings are eating them. Are not going extinct because that was what God wants us to be eating the most normally. So as we eat it, it grows again. Knowledge of the truth. It's not everything you need laying advance for. It's not everything you need to see pastor for. You know, some pastor derive pleasure. Ah, I want to travel, sir. Pray for me, pray for me. I don't want to be that kind of pastor. I want to live long to enjoy the wife of my youth. <laughs> some people derive pleasure. Ah, pastor, I want to know. There's a place of accountability. No place of pastor. I want to cross the road to buy Tom Tom. Pastor, no, 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 no. I don't want that. Hmm. Pastor, should I do this? Pastor, should I do that? Ah, we die very soon. Hmm. The third thing that's most important to God on the earth is the expansion of His kingdom through His church. The expansion of His kingdom through His church. Matthew 16 and verse 18. He said, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell." shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, when people are attacking the church and you are part of them, it's as if you are attacking your team. Somebody get what I'm saying? You can't be attacking a kingdom you are a part of. Read your Bible. God said, I will build my church. I will build my church. You know, during the course of the week, you know, I believe we all know we are moving, right? As a church, you know we are moving to a bigger, better place. Oh, in case you don't know, we're oh, blow the sound, blow the sound. 
<laughs> you know, I remember during the course of the week, you know, when we went to meet the lawyers and we we're trying to talk about the deal and everything. And I just look at that and say, ah, church is one of the fastest growing business. I was there with Mr. Ezekiel. I love what he said. Almost instinctively, just said, church is not a business. The man said, eh, that's not what I'm saying. That's what he was saying. But because he met somebody that was confident enough to reply him. He said, you know, hey, I mean the father's business. Why didn't you say that originally? <laughs> Some of you today talk about say, even that your church, you know, church, church, church everywhere. Let me tell you, there may be churches everywhere, but our kind of churches are not everywhere. Yes, sir. Let me tell you. <laughs> Very soon they will bond you out. <laughs> Let me tell you this. I say this with all sense of humility. If we had a thousand churches like Gateway in Nigeria, this country will change. That's just the truth. I say that with every sense of humility. And let me tell you this. One of the things God is, what is important to God on this earth is the establishment of his kingdom. Because the only institution that can do it is the church. The world will not establish God's kingdom. No, 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 no. It's not their job. That's why when people say things that hey, the churches they are building churches are just building churches. So what are they supposed to be building? He said they are not building factories. I don't understand. Where is this in the Bible? I'm giving you pastors and they shall build factories. If the church builds a factory, it's their choice, it's not their main assignment. The work of the church is to build the church. But if you don't have that understanding, when they talk about this important, you too, you will not know what to say. You just be like, is it true? That's true. Maybe our church. Instead of moving forth, say, why are we not still using where we are? Well, maybe we should just manage and go and build complex. I still have a long way to go. The fourth thing that is important to God on the earth is for all men to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus. I already explained that a couple of, you know, moments ago so i'll just leave that number three requirement is consecration the third requirement for living a life of impact is consecration 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 in simple terms is separating yourself from something so that you can devote yourself to another thing or person Consecration is separating yourself from something so that you can devote yourself to another thing or person. Next, consecration is dedicating yourself to a higher purpose. Number three, consecration is building boundaries and control around your life so that you can dedicate yourself to the fulfillment of God's plan and purposes for your life. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15, the Bible says, meditate upon these things. It says, give yourself only to them that your profiting may appear unto all men. Give yourself only. Give yourself completely. That is, give yourself consecratedly. Be sold out to the pursuit of these things. It says, then your profiting will appear unto all men. If you don't consecrate yourself to the things you are supposed to be doing with your life, your profiting will not appear to men. You see, consecration simply means I'm abandoning the things that are not necessarily wrong so that I can be lighter to do the things that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I remember a couple, I think it was two years ago, you know, um, 
one of the people I love listening to um, because uh, sometimes you hear some back end story that you don't hear from the bishop. Um, Pastor Isaac Oyedepo, I love listening to his perspective to things. You know, and like two, three years ago, he just said he's going off social media. I said, okay, maybe for a while. He still loves social media. And when he did that, three, four months later, I could see the difference in his communication. There was a different flow. Something was just different about him. I said, this man has caught something. Is it wrong to be on social media? No. But he understood that at this level of my work with God and my assignment, I can't be on social media like everybody and make the kind of impact I want to make. That's why in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 1 to 3, we can have it on the screen. Proverbs 31 and verse 1. We should actually have it on the screen. I want everybody to see it. You see, if you're going to live a life of impact, there are certain things that as a believer, you must disconnect yourself from. The world in which we live in today is making us understand that certain things are normal. But let me tell you this, if you are living like everybody, you will have the result everybody is having. In Proverbs chapter 31, the Bible says the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows. Verse 3, it says, give not your strength unto what? Unto women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. Give not your strength to women unto that which destroys kings. Verse 4, it says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, the Bible says, He has made us kings and priests, and we shall reign with him. So, if he has made you kings and priests, this message is for you. He said, he said oh, um, don't, just go back to, um, to that Proverbs, right? That's that six, he has made us kings and priests unto our God and his Father to glory. Just go back to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. Verse 3 and 4. Just put verse 3 and 4 on the screen. Put 3 and 4 together on the screen if you can. Hallelujah. So, who is a king? A king is someone that is already experiencing dominion in his field a priest is someone that is being groomed to rise to a place of dominion and influence and impact so the queen mother is saying that as a king someone that has risen to a place of impact if you are going to sustain it there are certain things you must avoid number one you can't afford to be giving your strength to women so if you are a guy and you think that the more women you sleep with the stronger you are as a man. The Bible says, don't give strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. You are not conquering women, they are conquering you. You are about to be destroyed. Number next, it says, it is not for kings, oh Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. So the same standard given to those who have risen to a position of leadership is the same standard given to those who want to rise there. You are a king. Don't do certain things. A priest in training, you also must not do what kings don't do if you ever want to be a king in life. But this generation tells you, you know, it's not so, you know, how can we be in a relationship and we don't have sex? It's fine if you want to live life anyhow. It is actually not fine. But I'm saying that if you have your life to be of no consequence. You see, let me tell you this. When you study the Bible, you will realize that certain things might not have effect immediately, but they will have effect eventually. 
God said David was a man after his own heart. But the mistake of David with Bathsheba literally destroyed his testimony. What do I mean? David had an uncontrollable urge when it comes to sex. He slept with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Do you know Uriah was one of the mighty men of David? That the day when David said, Oh, how I wish someone could get waters for me in the camp of the enemy. Uriah was one of the men that endangered his life, crossed the enemy's camp to get water. Yet David saw his wife when he had gone to war and thought that was a woman that he deserved. He slept with her killed Uriah and God sent his prophet and said this you are going to pay for it the same spirit of uncontrollable sexual knowledge manifested in the life of Amnon Amnon was supposed to be the king after David but what his father did not deal with destroyed him he saw his own stepsister as being suitable for his sexual partner slept with her, raped her and Absalom killed him his father killed his loyalists the son killed the fellow brother. He still didn't deal with it. In the life of Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, he ended his life as the foolishest man. If there's any English I had that ever lived. How do I know he was foolish? Married 800 wives. How many days are in the year? 800 wives. That was not enough. And 300 side chicks. How do you even recognize them? Because anybody can just show up. Maybe he did a tattoo for them. <laughs> a brand Solomon's wife because how do you recognize a thousand and hundred women so if anybody can just show up I'm a queen from where <laughs> Solomon's wife you married me on so 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 dates even if you were sleeping with each of them per year it would take you three years to get to the next one to the first one rotation how foolish can somebody be and you know that how foolish it was manifested in the life of Rehoboam David trained Solomon gave him instructions on how to govern the nation after his death he told him the people that he must not allow them live Solomon was so foolish that he never left any instruction for his son Rehoboam such that the day he ascended the throne the Bible says that the people came to him and they said your father built all this but you don't need to build anything again can you please reduce the tax he said no problem I'll give you an answer tomorrow so he spoke to his father's advisors they said what those people said is true reduce the taxes he spoke to his friends that have never led anything he said don't listen to the people they will think you are a weak leader he listened to his friends instead of the advisors of his, of his father what happened he lost in one day what his father and grandfather built for eight years where did that come from? Uncontrollable sexual lodge. Let me tell you this. In illicit sex, what you are getting, you know. What you are losing, you don't know. You really don't know. You say, ah, you know, how can we have party without drinks? You see, you are either a believer or not. I'm not saying it will take you to hell. Don't get that wrong. But I'm saying that the quality of the existence you will live on the earth, there are certain things God will never entrust you with. Never. Right, told us this festival is, is not normal Sunday service. We are going deeper because there is a higher call on our lives. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And for some of us, I say, Ah, me, I don't sleep around, and me, I don't drink. Let me tell you this it might be a habit that God is asking you to drop this year. Some of us it might be some relationships. Let me tell you this nothing destroys lives and destinies like number one, sex outside marriage, number two, alcohol, number three, Toxic alliances. No, the Bible says that 
man by the name of Balak. He hired a prophet by the name of Balaam. And he said, curse the children of Israel. Numbers 23, I think, verse 23. He said, I can't curse them. God has blessed them. But you know what Balaam told Balak? He said, I can't curse these guys. But let me tell you this. I have a strategy. He said, I can't curse them. God has blessed them. He said, but introduce beautiful cheeks into their camp. And what a curse could not do, they removed that protective edge by themselves when they began to send beautiful babes into their camp. And the Bible says they began to sleep with strange women and 24,000 people died in one day. It's in your Bible. 24,000 people. See, let me tell you this. When God told them about Adam and Eve, uh, that the day you hit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Did they die? Yes. They were still breathing, but something left them. Let me tell you this. In this age and time, when you break God's laws, things are dying in your life. You might not know, but things are dying. Am I trying to be judgmental? No. The Bible says the days of ignorance, God has winged that. For some of us, the prayer we might need to pray. We might need to create time to ask for God's mercy for past errors. But having found the truth, you cannot keep living in error and say the grace of God covers it. It doesn't. I know we live in an age and time where there are many preachers arising, talking about things that you can't even find in scripture. Using terminologies that sound so intelligent. Let me tell you this. Any grammatical construction that is not in the Bible, you have not finished using the one in the Bible. You are constructing your own. I say the portals of what's portal in the Bible. The, the, the grace, you know. They sound so intelligent. But let me tell you this: you don't find God by intelligence, you find him by following his word. Can't find God by your intelligence. As I begin to round up tonight, have you been blessed? Number four is vision. 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 If you are going to live a life of impact, you must have a vision for impact. You must have a vision for impact. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. The Bible says, where there is no vision, it said the people perish. What does it mean to perish? To perish is to be dead even though you are still alive. To perish is for, is for something to decay. To lose what? To lose value, to lose glory, to lose honor and dignity. Without the vision for the extraordinary, impact becomes practically impossible. That's why you see that the world always celebrates men and women of vision who live out their vision. Saved or unsaved. When the vision element is missing, impact becomes practically impossible. That's why you see someone like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The statement that he made years ago, the expression of his vision, I have a dream, is still remembered. The United States still celebrates him. The nation, they have a, a, a particular day dedicated to him as a holiday because of the dream he had. He said, I have a dream that the day is going to come that my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Maybe days or weeks after he made that statement, he was assassinated. But the black, first black man in the Oval Office was the fulfillment of that dream. A man sat with his friend in Florida, a place where there are no mountains. His friend by the name of Atlink Letter, the man being Walt Disney, he looked at his friend and said, I see mountains. 
Athlete letter said there are no mountains in Florida. He said, but I see mountains. He was talking about the Disney World. He said, I don't have any dream of building hotels. He said, but at all, buy properties around this place so that when people come from all over the world to the Disneyland, he said, you can, they can stay in your hotels and you'll make money. He said, even if you don't want to build the hotels, when your hotels, people want to build the hotels, they will buy the property from you. At Linkletter, I said to him, he said that after Walt Disney died. He said, I thought my friend had gone crazy and I said, I won't join you in this madness. Today, the Disney world no longer, does not only exist in Florida, you have it all over the world. Why? Because a man saw it. On the day of the dedication, when they were going to open it, unfortunately, Walt Disney had died. But his vision, he had so much indoctrinated everybody around him with the vision, especially his wife. And the MC took the mic and said, Oh, what an unfortunate incident that Walt Disney is not alive to see that which he saw. And the wife walked up, snatched the mic from the MC and said, Walt saw it. That's why we are here. Returned the mic and sat down. It's because he saw it. The question is, what are you seeing? If you don't see your life as a life of impact, you will never live a life of impact. If all you are seeing is, uh, when I marry, I want to born to Peking. Not even children, Peking. You know, there are Peking and there are children. I want to burn two, two children eh? and just buy one to Kubo car. On my wife's day, I now buy one car for her. You know, I will just leave. I don't want the world to disturb us. That's all you will ever experience. The people who make impact, they think beyond themselves. They think beyond survival. May your life make impact. May your life make a difference. May you change the story of your lineage in the name of Jesus. That's where it starts from. Today, you see four cars all over the world. It started with a man who had a dream, a vision. When the old world was still riding on us backs, Henry Ford said, I look forward to that day where the average American family will be able to afford to drive a car. And he made sure when he invented the car, it was just one type, Ford Model T, one color, black, so that there would be no discrimination. Of course, the dream evolved over time. But without an Henry Ford, cars wouldn't have been invented when it was invented. What are you saying? What's your vision for the year? What's the guarantee that this year will be different from every other year? One of the things that guarantees it is what you are saying. What you are saying. There is always so much excitement when people are crossing into the new year. Happy new year! That energy dissipates one week after. When you see them one week after, it's business as usual. No different decision has been made. No change in lifestyle, no alteration of behavioral pattern. Everything is back to business as usual. But they expect things to change. If you keep doing the same thing and you're expecting different, different results, it was the same Mary Ford that said. He said that's the definition of insanity. You can't keep doing the same thing, doing the same thing, doing the same thing. If you keep driving after you get when you get to beggar and you keep driving straight the same way, you will always arrive in Ibadan. You will not arrive in Ekwe. You will not arrive in Leki. You will still arrive in the battle. If you keep driving, you arrive in Obomosho. They can say, no, I'll keep driving on this road, but we arrive in London. You will arrive in the camp of Boko Haram. <laughs> Praise God. What are you saying? I want you to ask your neighbor and say, neighbor, what are you saying? Tomorrow I'm going to start out by talking about the factors that influence vision. The factors that, there are some factors that if you can introduce it into your life, 
vision will become easy. Let me just give you one as a roundup tonight. Number one is prayer. Prayer. As believers, we think that prayer is just sending God on errand. No, 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 it's not. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this. If you are praying the way you are supposed to be praying, you should be saying things. The answer to your prayer is not the manifestation of the answers. It is an instruction and a vision that brings about the answer to what you are praying about. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Let's have it on the screen. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. We're all going to read it together. And we're going to pray. Are you ready to pray? Let's read together out loud. Once we go, call unto me. And I will answer you. And do what? And do what? Show you great and mighty things that you do what? No, not all. So when you pray, expect vision. When you pray, expect God to show you things. He says, call upon me and I will answer you. How will I answer you? By showing you things. You go to bed and you wake up with ideas. You go to bed and you wake up with instructions. That thing that you have been confused about, you just suddenly receive clarity. I want somebody to begin to pray tonight. Ask God for new visions. Ask Him for new dreams. You might be doing the same thing that you've always done, but you can begin to see it in a different light. God can show you a different way of doing that thing. Others have been doing it in a particular way, but you can do it in a different way. Ask Him to show you something great tonight. Ask Him to open your eyes. He says, when you call upon me, He said, I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things. Ask him to open your eyes tonight. Ask him to show you the visions of the future. Ask him to show you the direction in which you must go. Oh, the Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the hand thereof, it says, are the ways of destruction. Ask God to lead you in the right path. In the right path. In the right path. In the right path. In the right path.